Good morning, Culver. I apologize for the few minutes delay. We're still wrestling with technology here. We're still learning, but I hope uh, you all have the link now. So we're all live. It's still morning, it's Sunday morning, even if it's 11.37 now, because it's Sunday, it's still morning. Um, I hope you're all comfortable in your sofas, on couches, and um, it is a special day today. Calvary celebrates 84 years since the church has started. It was in 1936 when Sir John Laying um, opened the um, church building. And so 84 years later, we're here and uh, we're celebrating. We have a live uh, program today. Um, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today. Culver has started in 1936. Actually, the building has started in 1935 and uh, was completed in 1936. It was actually on the 13th of June. It was yesterday. Yesterday, so we celebrated 84 years. A few years ago, Harold Times had an article written about a lady who moved to Culver Grove in 1935, so the same year that this building has started. So her name was Eileen Sutton. Now she bought her house in 1935 for 625 pounds, if you can believe it. And she had a weekly mortgage of 18 shillings. I wouldn't know how much it was that, but um, that was her mortgage rate. Now she attended, she has attended this church at some point, but then she moved, she moved further and I believe she is attending a different uh, local church at the moment. But she still lives on this road, Culver Grows. She lived there for 85 years. Why did I mention this lady? Culver as a community, as an assembly, uh, is today 84 years old. Eileen is 91. Some of you are over 90. My grandfather is 94. Richard, you're already halfway through, and I'm not far away behind. If there is one certainty for us, for each and every one of us, we are sure that one day we will pass away. One day we will face death. Unless Jesus Christ comes and takes his church, he takes us to be with him. Unless he comes, we are paying with the death of our bodies. In contrast with us individuals who will pass away sometimes in future, the church will never pass away. The church will never go away. We are born, we grow up, we get older and pass away. Kingdoms and empires rise got strong, get strong and fall. Political parties rise and fall. Presidents get elected and are impeached. Imposing buildings are erected, but in time they degrade and fall. But the church of Jesus Christ has no end. It's eternal. It defies death, it conquers it and declares that it belongs to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I would like to 
read a few verses from Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13. And uh, I would like you, Patrick, if you can put the text so everybody can see it. So it's the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13 to verse 20. And it says here, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So I read the passage because it is important to know what the future holds for the Church of Jesus Christ, and that includes Calvert Church. In a time when our nation's leaders may not realize the importance of the Church, in times when faith is considered by many just a hobby, just a hobby, when we Faithful Christians are viewed as not too bright people, sometimes narrow-minded or perhaps retarded even. In these times, we need to remind ourselves that we are members of the body of Jesus Christ. And the church will never die. It is eternal. It is clear that the church is disregarded nowadays, is ignored. How can you open non-essential shops and uh, leave the churches closed? How can a sofa chair be an essential thing and the faith of somebody be non-essential? It is obvious one brings taxes, the other does not. But what is so special about this church of Jesus Christ? Because we belong to it. What is so special? What will happen to it? There are some questions which I would like to answer this morning, at least some of them. I look at what Jesus says about the church. He says, I will build my church. I will build my church, Jesus says. Now, we may think that our church thrives because of how good we are. In reality, we're all failures. We just have to look at Peter. One, he, he says to Jesus, he has the revelation to tell Jesus, you are the son of God, the son of the living God. And a few minutes later, he says a totally different thing. He's guided by totally somebody else. He failed. We're all failures. So if our churches thrive, it's definitely not because of us. It is because the one who builds the church is Jesus. 
Romans chapter 7 verse 19 says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. The church grows and will grow till the end of this world because he, Jesus Christ, builds it. And whatever he does, he does it well. Remember when God made this earth, when he created everything, he made the sun and the moon and the stars, he gathered the waters and he made the land, he created the animals that roam free on the earth, and he made the creatures that are in waters and the birds that fly. And after he made all this, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 25, and God saw that it was good. Whatever God does is good, as opposed to what we do sometimes. So many times we fail. I realize that so many times I fail when speaking, when trying to make a joke and I hurt someone. And uh, I fail when my attitude is not right. So we have to recognize that if it was about us, the church will probably never grow, but the church grows because he, Jesus Christ, he builds it. People who I never thought would become Christians are now my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You know, like many of you, we were born in a different century, not only a different century, but a different millennia altogether. In those days, when I was young, I was a kid in the primary school, there was a good relationship between the child and the teacher. And my teacher, a nice lady, a very uh, strong and uh, a very, um, I, I wouldn't say severe, but you know, she was a very strict lady. There was a good relationship between me and her. I appreciated her, I respected her, and um, those days, the teachers would also have a good relationship with the uh, kids. They had responsibility to teach them, to bring them up so they can learn new things. So she was a responsible person, but she was an atheist. So I respected her. She taught me everything she knew, but she didn't know God. I never thought she would come to Christ. I left the village and some years later I've heard that she came to know Christ. Some of our brothers, Christian brothers and sisters from another village came to our village. They uh, knocked on every gate, on every door and the doors that they were welcomed, they went in and Jesus remained in some of those houses and her house was one of them. So she became a Christian. Since I've heard that she became a Christian, there is not a year when I go back to Romania and I don't visit her. It is because I never thought she would become. She wasn't the person that was looking for Christ. She was just an ethical lady. She was a responsible lady. But because Jesus Christ builds his church, she came to be a Christian. In the same village I was born years ago, there, there is a, um, a nice church. It has a tower with a bell in it. And there is a man who pulls the ropes to the bell. 
he, he's the bell ringer of that church. Now, they didn't have any kids. He and his wife, they didn't have any kids. They were quite elderly at that time, probably 70, 80 years old. He was one of the, a man that you could not tell anything against, an ethical man, a man that worked all his life. He attended the church, albeit an Orthodox church, a traditional Romanian church, but he attended it every Sunday with his wife. Uh, you knew that, uh, you know, there was a church service because the bell ringer would do his job properly, but he wasn't a proper Christian. He never had a relationship with Christ. So because of some of my brothers and sisters from another village, because they went to his house and they told him about a personal relationship with Christ, he came to be a Christian. He got baptized. It was a huge scandal in the village. The priest came over to his house. He came over with some other priests from neighboring villages to take him back. And what he said was, I'm not going back because I have now a personal relationship with Christ. So there are all these people that came to be Christians who I never thought they will be. And it's only because he, Jesus Christ, builds his church. I will build my church, says Jesus Christ. This is a future tense there. I will. This is happening right now. We're living history now. There has never been a holiday for Jesus since he started building this, his church. Now we need holidays. We want a spring holiday if possible, a summer one, a winter one. We want holidays. Time when we go and just relax and perhaps do nothing. But Jesus Christ does not do that. He had no holidays. He said he will bring this church, he will build his church, and he does it at the moment, and he never had a space of time when he stopped doing it. So currently, he does it. We live in historical times right now. He says, I will build my church, and this is the part that I like, because myself, I like building work. In this project called the church, Jesus Christ is not only the project manager, he's also the lead designer, he is the architect, he is the structural engineer, and he also labors hard. He's also the foundation of the church. We're laborers with him. We should work hard. But the church is growing because Jesus Christ works hard to build his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones on one side, wood, hay, or straw on the other side, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. When you build a house, there are rules to be followed. There is a due process. You can't build a house 
without following the rules. For example, you can't put the roof tiles before having the foundation, before having the roof joists in place, the battens, the breathable membrane. Then you can put, then you can lay the roof tiles. There is a due process. Now, Jesus Christ, he has a plan for the church and he's following that plan. He has the supplies that he needs for the church. And he also has some rules. We do have to follow those rules. Now, many people would like to be part of the church, but not follow the rules. Not follow the rules that were given to us by Jesus Christ. No, in order to build his church, he has some rules. He has a plan. He's the, the architect. He's the designer. He's also the structural engineers. He made all his calculations and everything is where it should be. And the church grows because he builds it. I will build my church. And when Jesus says that, he talks about his church. It is his church. It belongs to him. He builds it. He paid everything for everything with his own blood. This is why I do love the church, because it's his church. It is a project that will never fail. Jesus Christ is most interested in it. I have seen people behaving like the church belongs to them, like it is their father's inheritance. Well, I've seen that, but the reality is the church belongs to Jesus Christ. It is his church. Traveling through Romania a few years ago, I, in a town I have seen a large imposing church building. Now on the front of the church, there was the name of the church and with the same large letters next to the name of the church, there was written deacon followed by the first name and the last name of a person. Of, it was somebody's name. Now, why would you want to write your name on the front of the church? I wouldn't want to do that. I don't know why wanted that person to have his name uh, written in front of the church. The church does not belong to me. The church does not belong to us. It, be it belongs to Jesus. It is his church. Nowadays, I'm sure we wouldn't write our names in front of the church, but there are some other means that we can do the same thing, you know, pull strings and, you know, just do the things that we agree with. The reality is, it is not my church. I don't have to agree with it or like it necessarily. He has to like it. Jesus Christ has to like it. It is his church. The church belongs to him and we, belongs to him. we belong to him. Now, the only time we can say, my church is when we speak highly about the church. When we belong, where this is the church, we are members. This is the only time when we can say, this is my church, is when we speak highly about our church. There have been many times when I spoke in Romania, in Romanian churches in Romania, Italy, or United States, and... Uh, I have always spoken highly about Calvary Church because I've learned many things here. I've learned about humbleness, about how you can be simple and humble 
and how you can live a simple life and serve God with all you have. So there are many things which I've learned. And wherever I go, I consider Calvary my church. And I can say my church in that sense because I speak highly about it. But it doesn't belong to me. I'm just a member of it. I'm just a part of it. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some scholars concluded that the church is under attack by an evil band of demons, that Christians are persecuted in this country. And it is true that the climate is not so positive towards Christianity nowadays in this country. But if we call this persecution, what about Christians who live perhaps in Iran or China? who are dying every day. There are Christians that every day die in these countries where Christianity is persecuted. So the scholars argued that the, the church is under attack. Uh, some other scholars have countered with the fact that gates, the gates are merely defensive structures, not offensive weapons. That means that the church is on the offensive is attacking, is conquering. Whilst both views may be true, when Bible talks about the gates of Hades, it talks about the place of the dead. It talks about the power of death. What Jesus is saying here is that death will not stop what Jesus started. Death will, not, will never stop that. It cannot stop death. Death has no power upon the church. The church is eternal. Her foundation is eternal. Where death attempts to reign, we proclaim resurrection. Where the forces of sin lead to death, we proclaim forgiveness. Where death is at work in the world, we proclaim the kingdom of God. This is the church, and death has no power over it. The gates of death tremble. As the gospel community, the church proclaims the word of her savior, Jesus Christ. And before I close, I would like to give you a few statistics. Last year, the National Churches Trust published an article that acknowledged the following. For the first time in many years, there are more churches in the UK than pubs. For the first time, more churches than pubs. There are 40,300 churches in the UK and 30, 39,000 pubs. In the, last decade, in the last decade alone, I think about a quarter of the pubs have closed down. Now, I have nothing particularly against pubs, but I have one issue with the alcohol. I grew up in a family where my father from time to time brought home alcohol and because of the alcohol we had issues in the family there were problems there was trouble i've learned that you cannot be full of the holy spirit and full of alcohol it is either way so when i've heard that there are more churches in the uk than pubs it's a joy for me i pray that all the pubs will become churches one day. Why not? 
There are many churches in the UK than other key public buildings. If you add the number of supermarkets, post office branches, bank branches, and public libraries, you'll reach a number 36,900 altogether. And the churches are 40,300. Now, it is true that not the number of churches talks about the true Christians in this country, but in 1930, in the UK, there were 10.6 million church members. By 2013, there were only 5.4 million. However, that number keeps being steady. It remained the same. Part of it is immigration, um, some new people that uh, come to know Jesus. So the number is steady. If the number is steady here, I'm sure in other parts of the world is growing. So the church is growing. Perhaps it's not growing as we would like it to be growing here, but the church is growing. Not the number of churches represent the church itself. The church is the assembly of people who believe in Jesus. Ecclesia, called our people, distinct, distinct called our people. So I wouldn't bet on the number of the churches. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad there are more churches than pubs, but... I pray that more and more people come to know Jesus because of his church, because the church is eternal. And in these times when the church is disregarded, sometimes ignored, we have to remind ourselves that we are part of the church of Jesus Christ. He works on the project and the works are going well because he is doing the work. We're living historical times because he said he will and we are living in that time. He, he does it at the moment. He does it in present time. And he will build his church. He has a project. He has a plan. He has all the, all, everything he needs. And he will build it. And uh, gates of Hades, that means the power of death will never stop this project. The church has no end, is eternal. And we're part of it. We're a tiny part, we're just pixel on, pixels on the screen. But we are part of this project and is an eternal one. And I thank the Lord that he considered me worthy to be part of it and he considered each one of you worthy to be part of Calvert Church. And Calvert Church is part of a bigger picture, his church. May we pray that this church will grow and his plan will be fulfilled in this church. And um, if we'll have to pay with the death of our bodies by the time he comes, we know something for sure. When the time will come and he will come on earth, we will rise because our souls are eternal. We are part of an eternal church and we will rise. This is his church. It's a blessing to be part of it. It's a blessing, even if we cannot meet at the moment, I'm praying that in future, in the very short future, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ahead, maybe one or two months, I don't know, but we'll meet again and we will sing again together. We will pray again together. 
we will have tea and biscuits and coffee together. And we will again have worship together. At the moment, we just came one or two people and we live stream and uh, we do whatever we can for the church. So to make sure that the church is well, that the people that belong to the church are doing well. But the truth is the church will never fail. The church will never die. Uh, the power of death, the death has no power about, uh, on the church. So it is eternal. May we pray that God fulfills his will in our lives, in his churches, maybe whether it is in Culver Grove, Culver Church, or some other churches in the UK, or in India, wherever they are, the will of the Lord be fulfilled in the church, because it is his church. Praised be his name. Amen.